When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So as the Cowboys rebuild their defensive coaching staff, they now have hired a coach who has a crazy background, both coaching football and away from football. We'll talk about Christian Garcia and Mike Staff's overall defensive staff so far. Plus, we will dive into the possibility of Dak Prescott potentially aiming at $65 million per year I'll explain why. Let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. And as always, man, do me a favor. Hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, on a Sunday night. It is a great night to be back here talking football with you guys. It was a fun weekend on my side of things. You guys know that I took a little bit of a trip, went to Mexico City to watch UFC Mexico. I actually let me stand up so I can brag about my T-shirt very quickly. We've got the UFC Ciudad de Mexico T-shirt right now going on. Uh Two L's, two big L's for Mexican fighters. Uh, unfortunately, Jair Pantera Rodriguez lost. So did Brandon Moreno to Brandon Royval, Brian Ortega. Uh, but, you know, it was a fun night. It, it was a fun night. And now I'm glad that we are back here talking Cowboys football. And what we will focus on tonight is pretty much a couple of big news items that came through during the weekend. One was... Another coaching hire by the Cowboys. So basically, they keep adding people to the defensive staff that will take over Dan Quinn's staff now that Mike Simmer is in town as a defensive coordinator. And we'll talk a little bit, too, about what the salary cap increase means for Dak Prescott and why I believe he could very well be closer to $65 million per year than 60 when it is all said and done. We'll talk about the latest on Dak Prescott. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much again. Uh, let me say hi in the comments very quickly. We've got Gregory. We've got Katharina. We've got King Julian. Who else do we have here? We've got Holly, Mr. Ryan over on Facebook. Shout out to you, sir. We've got Isidro. Shout out to everyone here uh, joining the show. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to primetime. So, let's talk about it. Uh, first and foremost, man, Let's talk about the new hire for the Cowboys, man. They've added Christian Garcia to the team, and they are adding him as defensive quality control coach, I believe, according to Michael Gelkin from Dallas Morning News. Now, let's, let's get into the obvious here. It is so tough to know what these coaches are going to be doing when they are handed a title like this one, right? Like defensive quality control coach. That's all good and everything, but what the heck does that mean? Uh, Michael Gelkin from Dallas Morning News is reporting that he is going to be helping out Al Harris in the secondary. Now, there's a lot of reasons why I like this hire. Uh, it's obviously not going to be 
a move that will move the needle on what the Cowboys 2024 season is going to look like. Uh, it's not going to be like if they added an old pro linebacker or an, or an old pro cornerback or whatever. But Garcia is pretty, pretty uh, well respected among league circles. He's seen as a rising coach and it is pretty easy to see why. Uh, so he he played in Florida, man. But but if, if I had to list like the reasons why I like the Christian Garcia hire and why I believe he's a dog, uh, I would point out first that he's one of those that is just crazy about football to the point that when he didn't get to play Division I football, nor Division II football, really, because even that uh, didn't pan out well for him when he was trying to get into football as a college player, according to the Commander's website, because he worked for the Commander's, he sold all of his furniture to get to Santa Fe College and work with a video crew at the University of Florida. So he was just looking for a way to stick around the Florida Gators and hoping, dreaming that maybe somehow, some way he would get an opportunity to be a walk-on on the team. He did get that opportunity. Ultimately, he got it in 2015, earns a spot on the roster, and Although at first he's only more like a scout player more than anything else, he does get some participation even in bowl games. And at one point in 2017, he becomes one of only four team captains on the team. And he does that uh, because of his skills as a special teamer. Now, what does that mean for him as a coach? Maybe we don't exactly know. But man, I've always, I will always be in line or, or behind a higher of somebody that is seemingly a football sicko to this level, like Christian Garcia is. Uh, but then you look at the curriculum, man. You look at the resume, and it's almost as impressive because he spends one year after he plays in Florida. He becomes a defensive quality control assistant for the University of Las Vegas. Uh, is there the two years, then moves on to Georgia Tech on the same role, then lands with the commanders in 2021 as a coaching intern 2022, he's promoted from intern to defensive quality control coach. So he's been doing this a while. And then in 2023, he becomes an assistant defensive backs coach slash nickel. I'll admit that slash nickel is something that intrigues me. And I'll say why. Uh, in today's NFL, like nickel cornerback is basically a position that you could you coach entirely different to whatever the boundary cornerbacks do, right? Because of what their role is in the run fit, because of how often they can be the conflict player versus RPO offenses and all that. They got to, you know, worry about that B gap sometimes, or they got to worry about forcing the run inside. So it's pretty much a different position than boundary cornerback these days. And I kind of like the idea that, hey, if he was assistant defensive backs coach and they added the slash nickel in there, you could argue he he probably was like a almost a position coach for the commanders in 2023. And he, by the way, he became the defensive backs coach when they when the commanders started firing coaches after the Cowboys beat them 45 to 10 in Thanksgiving of last season. So you know, there's there's some there's some uh, good stuff going on there for Christian Garcia. He's been he has been on the rise. He's got defensive back experience, and I like you know just bolstering what is already a strong aspect of your team because I do believe cornerback remains a strong aspect of Dallas. Am I worried 
about a Cowboys potentially not re-signing Stephon Gilmore or maybe even Jordan Lewis as well? Yeah, I am. But they are in a position to bring them back and still have that be a, a position of strength. Uh, now, you obviously know about Al Harris being a good coach, so adding another good coach to the mix should only go a long way. Now, something additional that we could mention about Christian Garcia that I need, that we need to mention, is that not long ago, he was in Washington, D.C., having a tour of the White House, having a tour of the Eisenhower building, because he was honored with an It's on Us Courage Award. Now, that award is given to individuals, according to the commander's website, who helped put a stop to sexual assaults on college campuses. So Christian Garcia, also a stand-up guy, when he was in Florida, he was working security for a cantina, and he prevented a woman from being sexually assaulted. So, you know, just a stand-up guy, crazy for football, on the rise, clearly well-respected by league circles, and you got to be excited about that. Now, Christian Garcia basically rounds out a defensive coaching staff led by Mike Zimmer that is looking pretty complete right now. We've, we've talked about this before, uh, but just to recap very quickly here, the Cowboys are bringing in Paul Gunther as the run game coordinator of the team. Defensive line coach, we're going we're gonna to have uh, Jeff Sganina take over the defensive line, and Greg L. is going to be assisting him in that endeavor. I know what many of you might be thinking, right? Like, you look at Gunter, you look at Sgonina, you look at all of these, uh, and Greg Ellis might be on a different group of coaches right here, but you look at Gunter specifically and Simmer, and I understand people that are still criticizing the fact that this might be too much of an old-school type coaching staff, and I understand those concerns, But I also think it's exactly what you need to do. The Cowboys, you can say what you want about not wanting to maybe take a flyer on a younger guy with a little bit more of, a, of an upside for the long term and all that. But if the Cowboys are approaching the 2024 season from this point of view where they are like, hey, we got to win. Like, we got to win in 2024. And we cannot afford to waste a season installing a whole new defensive scheme you got to bring in a defensive coordinator that you allow him to bring like his staff with him now that's not happening on the defensive backs because they've decided that hey it's going to be Al Harris and that probably is a reflection of how this team feels about Harris right maybe they still view him as a potential defensive coordinator in the future and they didn't want to get rid of him or anything like that but Other than that, this is Simmer's staff through and through, right? Gunther was with Simmer in Cincinnati when Cincinnati when Simmer leaves the Bengals to go head coach the Vikings. Gunther stays as a defensive coordinator of the Bengals, and now, granted, the defense got progressively worse once he was given the keys to the defense. However, this is somebody that shares Mike Simmer's vision of simulated pressures and simulate and you know stunts and that kind of aggression on the defensive front and he's very well versed with linebackers so if you're making him run game coordinator because you know the Cowboys weren't the best team in the NFL stopping the run specifically because they basically needed to load the box to be able to stop it you got to have somebody that hey Mike Zimmer a lot of his coaching background has a lot to do with defensive backs 
You have somebody, you know, take care or, or take lead of the front, especially versus the run. And you know the challenge in the NFL of tying defensive fronts to defensive coverages. That is where defensive coordinators make their money. And it looks like this staff is very complete. It, it's looking like it's going to be very front-based. You know, in my opinion, I think it's going to be very front-based. But Zimmer is also a, a very, very aggressive coverage guy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the dynamics play out. Like, for example, is Al Harris going to have a little bit of a bigger role as potentially some sort of pass game coordinator? Or if that's going to be all Mike Zimmer, while just Harris basically worries about coaching the D-backs. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, especially because we now know there's going to be a coach in the room that is going to be all worried about the fits. He's going to be all worried about the, the run game, and that's going to be Paul Gunther. So I'm re really intrigued about how they go about tying the defense together when you've got somebody like Al Harris coaching the defensive backs from the old scheme, right? And it's also going to be a fun challenge for Harris himself. How is he going to adapt to somebody that has a different vision and that has also installed somebody to run the defensive front, basically, in Paul Gunther, that might also look or view things in a different lens. I think I think uh, Harris is in a pretty interesting spot here moving forward. I don't mean that in a bad or a good way. I just mean it in, you know, he might be the one in the most key spot on this coaching staff. Like, how is he going to adapt to having those two new things going on uh, in Dallas. But I'll say this, man. I like this coaching staff. I like this defensive coaching staff that the Cowboys have put together. I've said it before. I don't think that Dan Quinn is going to be the, the benchmark in the sense that over the last three years, the Cowboys had the number one defense per EPA per play. Defensive regression is absolutely a thing. So I would expect the Cowboys to be, at least statistically speaking, a little bit less efficient than Quinn's defenses were. But if you're a Cowboys fan and you want to get excited about this coaching staff, what should make you excited is the situational football aspect of it, right? The fact that Mike Zimmer's staff is likely or likelier to be able to adapt to different situations, to be able to go to different coverages depending on the opponent, depending on the moment of the game, so on and so on. Because that was absolutely one of Queen's flaws. It was the stubbornness to play middle of the field closed, load the box, and have very little flexibility outside of that. It was basically cover one, cover three, or nothing, right? Third and long, and single high, middle of the field closed coverages still dominated uh, the Cowboys' numbers. That is not going to be the case with Mike Zimmer. You're going to be seeing a defense that takes some different shapes depending on what the situation is. But all of that is going to be for not if, if they are not able to tie the defensive front with the secondary. And I believe that's what I like about Mike Zimmer. He just brought in people who he knows he, he's going to be understood by, right? He knows Paul is going to know what he wants. And he knows that, hey, Paul is going to get, you know, is Ganina in there and Greg Ellis who know each other too from the commanders. Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, an interesting situation right there. And then Chris and Garcia uh, knows Paul, uh, knows his Gonina as well. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun little uh, chemistry going on 
in there, right? There's a lot that is made about nepotism in coaching worlds in the NFL, and I understand that there are there is nepotism in the NFL. But I also think when you've got somebody with a very defined vision, like somebody like Mike Simmer, he, he's just gonna bring in the people that are gonna know how to execute that execute that vision, you know. And it's been going on for a long, long time. And just to be clear, um, I think I messed that up. The relationship, the commander's relationship that I was talking about is between Zganina and Christian Garcia more than anyone else. And then Paul Gunther with Mike Zimmer. And then Greg Ellis is going to be a little bit of a wild card there, having been a Cowboys player. But I think this coaching staff is going to, is going to understand each other. And I think that's what it's about ultimately in the NFL, especially in a year where having your players adapt quickly to your defense is going to be critical and crucial for your success. Let me see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat. Uh, we've got Harley saying respect to him for that. I believe this was about Mr. Garcia's It's On Us award, and I absolutely love that story as well. He's a stand-up guy overall. Shout-out to Joey Vela, who, by the way, is joining the show. We've got Isidro saying, love it. We cannot have enough Garcia's. Uh, maybe some bias there from Isidro Garcia. Shout out to Isidro. El Cool says, Mike Zimmer offered me a position on quality control, but my schedule is booked. So I said, no. Hey, El Cool, probably for the best, man. Uh, those are stressful jobs, I believe. <laughs> Sean says, Dak is no way worth $65 million. And we'll get to that in a little bit here, Sean. By the way, uh, Homegrown says, we need to draft one of those four running backs in the draft. Raylan Allen, Jonathan Brooks, Audric Estime, or Trey Benson. And all of them seem like very legit possibilities for the Cowboys. I think teams looking for a back in day two or day three are going to be uh, in the mix for sure. But just, just you know, going off of homegrown's favorite running backs here, right? Benson is 64th in the consensus board right now. 62nd, excuse me. Then you've got two, uh, Jonathan Brooks is 73rd. Braylon Allen is 84th. And then he also mentioned Audric from Notre Dame. Audric is, let me find him here. He's 103rd in this consensus board. So all that I'm trying to say, man, is you're going to get shots at having your running back. And there's no top 50 type running back this year, at least not per the consensus board. There's going to be a lot of options. There is going to be some options for Dallas. Uh, I think ideally what the Cowboys will be doing is they'll add a veteran in free agency and maybe a cheaper one. And then day two or day three, you get your running back. Ideally, sure, you would get one on day two, but we know uh, that is just dependent on on so many other factors uh, that we're not going to be able to preview, you know? Uh, and suddenly you can have a free agent veteran, a day two draft pick, and potentially you bring back Rico Dowdle. And then you have a very strong running back committee. You have Hunter Lipke, who can be your fullback seal and also your power back. And we don't know about Deuce Vaughn yet, man. We we just don't know. I'll say this about Deuce. Sure, I, I'm worried about his pass pro stuff that we've talked about so much here on the show. I'm not so sure I'm worried about anything else other than that because I don't think we saw a good running game 
from a scheming perspective and a blocking perspective. So I think the jury's still out on Deuce. And I'll say this, Deuce's struggles in pass pro in the NFL, I'm talking about the NFL here, showed not from a size, you know, uh, reason, like which was the concern. When, when the Cowboys drafted Deuce, we were like, how can somebody so small be a good, efficient blocker in the NFL. And although he did struggle, it wasn't that that showed up in tape. Unfortunately, it was more about uh, mental processing and not knowing where he had to be, not knowing who he had to pick up, even in max protection situations, which, which we broke down here at the time on the show. There were some moments where it's clear that his responsibility is the inside guy, but for some reason, he's going outside even though there is not a, a, a threat outside the tackle. Uh, so Duzvon was a little bit lost when he was asked to pass protect. So maybe he, he does get better just by being around for another offseason, right? And maybe getting some looks in pass pro. And some people, as always, will be like, hey, why don't we get him on the field and assign him stuff where he doesn't have to block? You cannot do that in the NFL. Like, you got to block in the NFL because otherwise defensive coordinators are going to know when Deuce goes in, they're going to come up with a pressure to exploit that for sure, especially if you don't ask him to block, right? So Dallas needs to figure out the Deuce Vaughn situation. But I think I think running back is going to be uh, a very, very different position in 2024 for Dallas. Shout out to JC Cowboys Network. We've also got... Um, you see that here, he says, I hope Simmer is going to have a big say in free agency, which he should, right? I know my guy Skywalker still broke down how many free agents each new Cowboys defensive coordinator has hired in his first offseason. And I'll say this, man, Simmer's shot at picking players is going to be in March and not in April. So the Cowboys are going to maybe even going to be able to like make up for the NFL draft stuff by giving him options in free agency. I do think that is going to happen, you see that. I do think he's going to have a big say. And I say the draft stuff because now we know that neither Simmer nor McCarthy are going to be in the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis next week, which is definitely interesting, this being a team that tries to get the coaches involved in the scouting process. And we know Dan Quinn definitely had his hand on some of these picks, right? They run bland, among others. Uh, so we know that, but now the Cowboys head coach and the defensive coordinator are going to stay in Dallas. They're going to keep working on the scheme, according to reports, because, you know, the t time is is of the essence now for Dallas. So it's it seems like this is going to be an NFL draft that they're going to let the scouts handle it. They're going to let Will McClay and company handle it almost in its entirety. And we'll see how that plays out. We know Will McClay does a good job uh, in the NFL draft. Doesn't mean he's perfect. Nobody is when it comes to the NFL draft, right? But for the most part, Will McClay has been very good, very good in April. All right, guys, before we get out of here, let's get into the Dak Prescott conversation. We got to do it, man. I had, a, I had a quick show with you guys on this last week. But now things have changed a little bit, right? So we knew, according to a report from Jordan Schultz, that Dak Prescott was going to be looking at a contract in the vicinity. That is that is a key phrase, in my opinion, in the vicinity 
of $60 million per year. That would be a big increase from Joe Varro's $55 million average that he signed in 2023. Now, a lot of people have gone crazy with this. As usual, there's this debate about Dak Prescott not being good enough to deserve that kind of money, to which we respond usually like it's not really about that. It's about the market, and it's about supply and demand, and it's about mainly the fact that if you don't pay him that money, then other teams will in next year's free agency. And if you know that and Dak knows that, you got to reach a deal or you're going to be looking for a quarterback in 2025, which is not a fun world to live in. And it's something that the Cowboys know because of all those years between the Troy Aikman years and the Tony Romo years, it was chaos at the quarterback position, including the, the Quincy Carter years, right? So you just look at that situation and, okay, we start to understand why that could become the highest paid QV again, especially after a second place MVP season and a second team all pro season. But now we know that the salary cap is jumping to $255 million. That is something that we did not see coming a few weeks ago. Official reports or, or you know, pre-official reports actually were tossing around the number 243. That was the expected jump in the salary cap, $243 million, which would be somewhere around 9%. It would be like an 8, eight to 9% jump from last year's cap. It turns out it's going to be $255 million. The increase is 13.6%. It is an unprecedented jump for the salary cap. And according to the NFL, the reason why is that, you know, new media deals are basically coinciding with the fact that we ha we now have 18 weeks of regular season football. And we also have the Super Wildcard Weekend, right, with an expanded playoff field. But also, and I quote, partially the result of the full repayment of all amounts advanced by the clubs and deferred by the players during the COVID-19 pandemic. So now that all that stuff is in the rearview mirror, the Cowboys and the NFL were able to basically just enjoy the benefits from that being over. So if we knew, right, if we knew that Prescott demanding $60 million per year would represent a 9.1 increase over a percent increase over Burroughs' average of 55 million per year. And we knew that that was more, more or less in line with the jump that we expected from the salary cap, right? Which was at around 8.1%. Well, we now got to look at 13.6% because that's what the salary cap jumped. And if we assume, which might not be the case, but it also likely will be the case, if we assume that the QB market is going to grow hand in hand with the salary cap, then a quick mathematical formula would suggest that Dak Prescott might be looking at $62.5 million in average. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets closer to 65 if the Cowboys and Dak agree to certain stuff, right? Uh, like specific stuff like, What's the cash flow in year one? What is the cash flow in the first three years of the deal? When is the first out for the Cowboys of that deal? 
right? When can they get rid of him via a release or a trade? And I mean, and I say trade because, man, obviously Dak has a no trade clause in his contract. But the only thing that that means is that he needs to be on the same page as Dallas if they do decide to trade him someday. Because Dak can waive that. And we've seen quarterbacks do that before. All I'm saying, man, is that just by looking at the salary cap jump, I think $62.5 million or more is totally doable for Dak Prescott. And I think, and I'm not saying that it should be this way or whatever, I'm just saying how it works. And I think Dak is going to be closer to $65 million than he is going to be $60 million per year. Now, that isn't the end of the world, ladies and gentlemen, though. That isn't the end of the world. Some people will be pissed at this, right? Because some people just don't like Dak and, and they don't want the Cowboys paying him that kind of money. However, you can make it work. Uh, maybe the Cowboys want to keep pitching this story that, oh, uh, there's only so much pie to go around and all that. Uh, but ultimately, we have seen teams before pay their quarterbacks and remain aggressive, building a better team around them through option bonuses, through signing bonuses, restructuring of deals. There are teams that make the salary cap work because it is very, very flexible. Now, if Dallas goes down this route, which I still expect them to do, and it might hit up in the next few days with the combine taking place in Indianapolis, right? When agents and teams and everything get together at least under the water because people talk about tampering and all that, man. And everyone talks in the combine, of course. But uh, this could hit up in the next few days, March 17th being a key date for the Cowboys and Dak. There's a $5 million roster bonus that uh, vests in March 17th. So the extension likely should happen before then in an ideal world. Uh, we'll see how negotiations go, though, for these two teams. I know Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reported that both sides have yet to have any extensive talks. So we'll see what happens here over the next few days. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. That will be it for me tonight on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. But I will see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. Central. We're diving into the offseason. I'm looking forward to potentially having uh, multiple interviews here on the show during this offseason. And, and I think it will be fun for all of us to get some people in here and talk about some very interesting topics that I would love to tackle with specific people. So we'll do that. And for now, I hope that you guys have a fantastic start to the week on Monday. And I'll see you Monday night, 8 a.m., 8 p.m. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.